Good afternoon. This is Paul De La Garza with High Performance Business Solutions, and we would like to welcome you back to another installment of the High Performance Business Solutions podcast. Today, we are inviting, or we have invited another uh, guest of ours that has been with us before, but we had such a great time with Elizabeth that we decided to invite her back because a lot of the stuff that has happened as of recent really merits that we bring someone of the caliber and the and the skill set that Elizabeth Suarez has. She guides organizations toward developing stronger workforces while empowering their professionals to pursue more recognition and opportunities. Um, one of the things that Elizabeth is a strategist, a consummate strategist who has worked with organizations across a variety of, of, of uh, industries. And she has a best-selling book. Get that, folks. Uh, the Art of Getting Everything. Elizabeth, I want to thank you for joining us one more time. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me again. I feel oh. very flattered that you asked me to join you again. That's, now, that means a lot to me. Well, I have to tell you, you're, you're being very kind, frankly. <laughs> but it's a pleasure. I really certainly enjoyed the opportunity that we had to speak uh, with you recently. And frankly, you left so many things that I wanted to really develop and, and elaborate on that I didn't have an opportunity to do so. Uh, so this is a prime opportunity, excellent opportunity for us to do that. But in addition, one of the things that I really wanted to do is to really have us talk about what's going on. And I understand that you have pivoted oh, yes. quite effectively to try and really bring your clients and the organizations with which you work mm -hmm. to really help them deal with what's going on. So. Let's start from the basics, okay? First of all, tell our audience a little bit, how did you get into this gig about leadership? How long have you been at it? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Just, just educate some of our listeners. Okay, so I have in the last 15 years, I was in corporate America 15 years ago, and I came to realize that I was um, experiencing the syndrome day in and day out. I call the me, myself, and I syndrome. I was the only female, I was the only Latina, I was the only person with an accent, and I was, not going beyond the vice president level. I was reporting into a C-suite executive, but I couldn't break that glass ceiling. And I realized, even though I had the education, I had the experience, I mean, I had the resume that you wanted. I realized that I would never get in there because I was not part of the group. I was in the me, myself, and I syndrome. My network did not extend into that network. And um, one of the times in my last time in corporate America, I was in telecom. So there was a lot of the internet and the bubble bursting and everything. And at that moment, I said to myself, you know, if it's not now, it will never be. So let me go ahead, take my severance, negotiate the severance. That's when I did an amazing negotiation. I negotiated a severance that even to this day I do. How did I do that? But I did it. And I decided I'm done. I am realizing that I am in a generation that we are, Paul, uh, Paul, that we have done everything we can, but we have hit a glass ceiling. But the generation behind us has numbers. There's so many Latinos educated behind us and mujeres, women educated behind us that I'm like sitting here doing, you know what? They need our wisdom. They need our knowledge. Yep. They yep. need us turning around, grabbing them and saying, come up because we're going to do totally so agree. 
I know. So that's why 15 years ago, I decided to um, create this platform, which I call Negotiation Unleashed. And it's a platform that provides resources concerning leadership and negotiation, as well as conflict resolution. And it's resources that any executive and especially business owner can use in order to better negotiate, to be a stronger leader, and at the same time, manage all the differences that we're all living. And you know that in 2020, it's going to be known as the year of so many differences, we can't even find a common ground. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know what? I should mention that because what you are talking about and mm -hmm. the expertise and skill that you bring to the table is going to help a lot of people negotiate those kind of differences. Exactly. So it was interesting. Pre-pandemic, many people were like, no, I just want to talk about leadership. Elizabeth, I know how to negotiate. I bought a car. I have my house. I already <laughs> got my promotion. I mean, people were saying car. to me, yeah. and I was like, okay, not a problem. Post-pandemic, the organizations that furlough me, they're now coming back to me. They're like, first thing they have told me, Paul, can you help us? Uh, we need to have a, like a negotiation, a retreat. I'm like, excuse me? They're like, we need to figure out how we manage each other. We need to figure out how we mm -hmm. work with each other. And I have one of the first ones that I'm going to be doing live, hybrid, but live this month in a week. And it's concerning that. And then really? I have two more in August in which organizations are saying, we're not getting along. We are so stressed that we are not getting along. So help us. So all of a sudden, what I thought about 15 years ago, I do, oh, that's interesting. Now all of a sudden you find it uh, needed. And this yeah, was yeah. always needed. You always need to learn how to negotiate. You always need to practice it. You always but need that, to- That skill is so, is so undervalued because we, we negotiate virtually almost every day, wouldn't you say? Um, there are studies that show that we will negotiate close to 18 to 25 times a day. Hey, look at that. Only, only waking up and, and dealing, if you have a teenager, dealing with a teenager, if you have a spouse, dealing with a spouse, if you have a dog, you're negotiating with the dog if you think about it. Okay, so a couple of questions. Number one, define negotiation. Define the process of negotiation. What, what, what does that mean truly? Just get what you want no matter the cost, no matter the, the circumstance, no matter the impact? No, negotiation is that you need somebody else to help you with something or to get something. But that doesn't mean you're going to get it exactly how you want it. What it means is that relationship you establish and conversation you establish so both of you can benefit from each other. So the it's other a person, situation. Yeah, it's a, the other person may not realize that they need you, but if you're negotiating correctly and taking into account the relationship, that person then will do, oh, Let's talk. Let's talk and figure this out. So winning at all costs, if somebody says to me, Elizabeth, I just want to win, I say, with all due respect, you do not want me as your consultant. Of right, right. And they're shocked that I say that. They're like, really? You've had opportunity to say that? I said, I, I don't. Because if you get everything, remember, I'm also trained as a mediator. And I did that on purpose in order to become a better negotiator. And, one, and the basic of mediation is if one party gets everything, you have failed because the other party got nothing. So in, ess in essence, what you're describing is a zero sum transaction. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And, no, that's not good. And, and folks, for those of you that already know what a zero sum transaction is, great. If you have some questions about that, it's essentially when you have a, a, a transaction where you have two parties and you have one asset and the only thing that you achieve is to transfer the asset from one person to the other, you have a winner and you have a loser. Exactly. And those typically are never sustainable. They never last. They're not very good. 
I mean, they may last a little bit, but they're not sustainable. Right. And that's the key thing. If you're going to negotiate, and I say everybody needs to negotiate, let's make it sustainable and let's hold everybody accountable. Those are my two main words, sustainable okay. and accountable. Under normal circumstances, Elizabeth, you have been very busy because the skill set of trying to learn effective negotiation skills is ongoing. And this is something that we can all use at one point or another, especially if we're good communicators. But here's the thing. It appears to be that now more than ever, mm -hmm. negotiation skills are really that much more important. Yes. First of all, is that the case? And number two, why? Uh, two ex very important questions. Yes, that is the case. And number two is because we are living in such a dynamic environment, not due to businesses, but due to what has happened to all of us worldwide with the pandemic. This is something that has changed the game. This is the, I'm an engineer, so we talk about catalyst. This is the catalyst. COVID-19 was the catalyst that was thrown across the world and did, let's see who wins now. And now it's like, we have to change how we operate. Even myself, I've had to change how I operate. One of the things that COVID has helped me is that for the first time, I have reached 15 different countries across four continents with my negotiation and leadership expertise. Why? Because now I do not need to get on a, a plane. Now I work around their time zones and I am on a call with them virtually via Zoom. I am doing webinars for them. I am doing trainings for them. I am facilitating even retreats for them wow. via Zoom. And I have this past Thursday, last Thursday, I facilitated the largest retreat I have done. Seven people, 57 people. Wow. And I kept them all into it. But now one of the things that people have to realize, I have a team behind me. So I have always a co-pilot with me. Right. And I had my co-pilot with me and she's the one that manages everything from the chat to like, let's make sure that all the videos are up. I, I have a new formula on how I present, which is not how I used to present in person. And it's a formula <laughs> that I have perfected. And it's a home run uh, via Zoom. But it took me a while to figure that out. A, a couple tries here and there. But it's a formula that is working. And due to that, uh, Paul, I'm actually quite booked. I mean, I, 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 I have to say it out loud and do, wow, let me pinch myself. Because a catalyst was thrown into our lives that changed how we do work. But like yourself, as yourself as a leader, you know this. The best leaders are the ones that accommodate themselves to what's happening, listen, and take advice. And it's what we call, yeah, it's what we call in change management, forgive me for interrupting, but it's what we call in change management, reframing the crisis or reframing the circumstance. Exactly. Because if we apply one solution based on one condition that we are facing and expect that solution to be sustainable, no matter the changes in the or dynamics of the marketplace or the conditions that we're facing, then that leader is really missing the boat. You have to constantly adapt or pivot or reframe what's going on so that you know that your applied solution always is making sense. So that you bring I, a great point. Yeah, and I've started doing that since March. And I won't lie to you, Paul, there were some evenings that I would be going to bed doing, I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, you know, and, and nobody's opening and all you keep on hearing is all the negativity. And I was like, mm -hmm. let me try this. I mean, it was it wow. was like, you know, we're both Latinos, so we could say this. It's like watching our abuelas. Yes, we are. 
And you know how the abuelas would throw anything into the pot while they were cooking? Right. That's how I was doing it. Let me throw this in. Oh, it's not working. Put it out. Let me throw something else. So you find, you, you find a niche. You found you find exactly. your space, your rhythm. Exactly. Okay, exactly. so you deal with a lot of leaders, yes? Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> so here's the $64,000 question. Uh, does a leader need to have effective negotiation skills? Okay, is that something you can just delegate and say, well, you, you handle it and let me know how you do it? Or, Walk us through what, if you're talking to a leader mm -hmm. and he tells you, what is the skill set that I need to have? And you come up with negotiations. Why is that important? How does it, how does it relate? Walk us through that. The reason I would say why a leader as well as his team need to have effective negotiation skills is mm -hmm. because it's a way that you understand what's going on while you're negotiating and how you can change and how you can alter your approach. So for instance, when you're negotiating, you realize some reaction from the other party. As a leader, even though you have your team that's negotiating, and you know, the, the, uh, the clients that we have, that they have a big team of individuals. Mm -hmm. Individuals are the ones that are really nitty gritty and he or she is the one that's like, okay, let me close the deal. If that leader doesn't know the ins and outs of how to negotiate and the ins and outs of the different styles that people divert into when they're negotiating, I don't care how strong that leader's team is, the negotiation may not go to the, you know, to that home run. Mm -hmm. It may just stop as a double, you know, a double play on second base. So I would say, yes, a leader needs to understand there's five different styles that we all default into when we're negotiating. So a leader needs to be aware of that. A leader needs to realize how are people emitting those styles? How do they share it with everybody? And at the same time, his team needs to be aware of who they are also, what styles they default into as well as their leader. Because the best negotiations are the ones that you have multiple people on each party and they can complement each other. That's when you have challenging discussions. That's when you have agreements that are reached that are, you know, will take a while to reach. But at the end, you walk out of there with a stronger relationship, with a good outcome that both parties never thought about it exactly that way when they walked in. And guess what? The majority of the time, that outcome is sustainable for a very long time. So it sounds like compromise is a critical component of negotiation for a leader. I would say compromise is a critical component, but it's not the component. What is the, the component, component that you use? The component is that you know when to ask for it, when to close the deal, while knowing how to nurture the relationship. Okay. Nurturing the relationship while you're doing everything else is extremely important. If you overlook at the relationship, and many people say, Elizabeth, I don't even know if I will ever come across with this individual because this individual is not doing well, and there's the rumors in the market that he or she is going to be out, you know, out. I'm like, I don't care if they're going to be out in an hour. That, that, you know, you never know where that individual will end up, and you never know the followers of that individual, what they believe in. So you need to keep that relationship alive and how you are going to nurture it and grow it, even though if you're walking away and you will never see that individual again. And so as just to develop the point that, you, that you're making at this point, I would imagine that you, you've established this point in your, in your best-selling book, The Art of Getting Everything. But as a leader, you're dealing with, you know, you have 
10 direct reports, all of them C-level executives, executive vice presidents, senior executive vice presidents, and these kind of things. And sometimes you have an element of discord, if not contrasting opinions in terms of how to strategically approach a particular problem or situation. That leader needs to be the, and this is a question, yeah. that leader needs to be the mediator, so to speak, to make sure that they keep their eye on the mission, but at the same token, uh, negotiate the best solution. How do you deal with that? What kind of experience have you had with that kind of situation? That, what, that advice is would you give, what advice would you give our listeners to be able to say, these are the key steps that you should follow when you're dealing with such conditions? It is a very important condition that most of us deal with, especially in the C-suite or even as business owners. Uh, I would recommend that number one, you, yes, you need to be a mediator, but at the same time, you need to be a decision maker if you are the leader in that team where the differences stand. So you need, in order to be the effective decision maker, you need to listen and you need to really understand the two or three or four perspectives that are being shown to you. And at the end of the day, somebody has to make the decision on how it's gonna be moved forward. If you are it, if you are that leader that has to make the decision, you know, I many times say, don't make it right there. Just when everybody is like emotional and everything, reconvene again. What, one of the things that I advise when it comes to negotiation, negotiation is not a one-time session. Negotiation is a dynamic, multi-session discussions. Why is that? Why is that? Because yeah. of emotion. By the way, it sounds great. It sounds correct. First but, thing. But I, I, yeah. Why causes that? Because they're emotions. We're all an emotional being. So when something is being negotiated, let's say you're part of a team and you're on the same team, there's no negotiation with somebody from the outside and somebody goes against your great idea, an idea that you have been working on for the past four months, five months, you have it in the bucket. You're like, this is it. Sure. Somebody comes in and challenges you. And as a good leader, you want that person to be challenged. Of course. You want the best out of that. And all of a sudden, imagine, Paul, when you're challenged. I mean, I don't care how much of a leader we are, how great we are as strategists. You know, emotionally, you do like, oh, wait a second. I mean, I put so much work into this. So that's why, as a good leader, a good leader will understand the emotions in the room and will say, okay, let's continue discussing. Finish that discussion and say, now we're going to move to another phase in which I have homework for all of you. Think about blah, 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 blah. And we'll reconvene in 48 hours. My assistant will, will get on your calendar. And then when you reconvene, you have already done what I call the cattle shoot. Basically, everybody was up here with, you know, disagreements and you kept on listening. And then you narrowed it down and you said, let's think about A and B and C. Now, in 48 hours, we're going to discuss it. What did you do? You took the emotion out. You let them talk. You let them express how they felt because you can't bottle that up. That came out. But now we're back in business. Now we're in another uh, session to discuss. So many times that is the biggest advice when I'm coaching CEOs that I have to um, advise them is saying, it is okay not to make the decision in this meeting. They're like, and, and their response to me, Paul, is I feel that I'm not efficient. I said, you want sustainability, don't you? And they're like, yes. I'm like, so who cares if you're not a hundred percent efficient in one session? It may take you four sessions. But when you finish the fourth session, you have what you want and it's sustainable. Wouldn't you rather have that? And they're like, oh, I never thought about it that way. These are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Sure. Oh, oh Elizabeth, uh, <laughs> I can tell you. First, 
experience. So let me let me shift the conversation and, and let me ask you this question. So here's a CEO or an, an executive or a business owner that goes in a certain direction and for all practical purposes has, has a pretty good idea, okay, of where they would like to go and they know that they're going to have to engage in certain negotiation process. Mm-hmm. When they're sitting down with that other person, that other individual in pursuit of the same objective comes up with a much better process, a much more efficient approach. How does that executive business owner address that without losing face in the process of negotiation? What advice would you give those people? I would, uh, and I have been in that predicament, by the I way. I would imagine all of us at some point or another have. <laughs> yeah, I have been in that predicament that I realized the other party, um, their solution is 100% better than mine. And what I would do is I actually question and get more information about their solution. And since I know my solution so well, my work is to figure out how does my solution complements what they are suggesting? How can my idea, how can my approach be brought back in with the amazing idea that they have? And I will give them kudos. I mean, a great leader is a leader that realizes that the other person is as good or even better than you. And you do, you know what? I want to work with you. So that's what I would do. I would not just say, oh my God, I lost. It's all his way or her way. I would be working on how can I complement it with mine? I look at it like I'm adding better stuff to it. And at the end, the solution must be even better than what this individual presented to you. Very good. Great answer. I appreciate that. Another, what are the pitfalls that you would say people should avoid in negotiating? that you always have the right answer. That's the pitfall. Very good. I love that answer. Elizabeth, <laughs> I, one of the things that I have seen, and I tell my clients, don't work so hard at trying to be right all the time. Exactly. Work hard at trying to get the right answer. Exactly. And even if the right answer comes from the other person, many times, when, when, especially when I'm coaching high level, I'm currently coaching a chief medical officer. And it's like, I mean, come on. It, look what's going on medically and everything. Sure, sure. I want to outdo him. No, what I want to help him with is how do you ensure that your knowledge is communicated, but at the same time that your knowledge can even increase, even leaps and bounds, because you're willing to listen and you're willing to acquire new information. That may be information that you already knew, but from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. If you do that as a leader, I don't care who you are, you will show leadership. And I, you know, and I hate to bring politics into this, but this is what I just described is what the prime minister of New Zealand did. Why that country has no COVID and everybody is out without restrictions. She knew she did not have the answer. She knew it. She did not know. But she got herself with the people that had answers and she challenged all of them. They challenged each other and they even pivoted and changed and everything. And you know what? Here we are. They're, do- they're having rugby conferences and we are watching reruns. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest. You know, interesting. It's, interesting. it's interesting you should mention this because there is a notion amongst a number of leaders out there, and perhaps, I know it certainly keeps me employed, 
Mm -hmm. Maybe it keeps you employed. That as a leader, you have to be either A, the chief know-it-all, or the chief do-it-all. And I have found that the most effective leader, even in negotiations, Mm -hmm. is the one individual that has a clear understanding of the power and authority and the accountability that they have. Mm -hmm. These are the very people that are least intimidated or impacted by someone coming in with a better idea. On the contrary, they promote that people come up with with those ideas. Actually, they can actually promote and generate the solutions for which they're they're responsible. And what you just said, and folks, Mm -hmm. as you're listening to this, please make a, a, a emphasis on these points. As a leader, as you know that you are in fact the leader of the organization, your suggestion, your responsibility, your authority and accountability is to bring the right solutions and not necessarily attach your name to the solution in of itself, but just bring the correct one. So this is huge, what you just said. It's huge. And it's also the fact that the best leading leaders that negotiate are the ones that are challenged and know how to manage the challenge. I love it. I love it. Question, and they do great point. Now let's think about this. And then they ask the right questions. You've seen them. I mean, Paul, they, they just ask that basic question and you do drop the mic. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you've seen it. I mean, I've seen I it. I have. Too. You're right. That is beautiful. I mean, <laughs> and those are the best leaders. I mean, you have to be a very strong negotiator, but you need to embrace challenge and you need to embrace that you don't know it all. You, you don't. Well, on that note, how does self-esteem as a leader play a role in to effectively negotiate? I think it's self-confidence first. You have to be confident that what you know is needed by others, but at the same time, what you know needs to expand by others. So when you're confident in yourself, you don't have a problem learning. I mean, who is the leader that has said that we, um, uh, sorry, uh, uh, yeah. Who was the, the um, there's several leaders that have said this. If you always think you're right, you're not gonna go anywhere. I mean, the oh. companies that keep on reinventing themselves is because the leaders have said, let's figure this out. Something you know what? It reminds, me, it reminds me of the story of the CEO that was newly appointed to a company. And he had a star vice president that had, leading, had been leading the um, sales and marketing department for the previous five years. And they had acquired extraordinary increases in market share year after year. When the, the new CEO came in and basically established his own, shall we say, reign, uh, when that vice president brought in the sales plan and the marketing plan, the CEO basically said, no, I got this. I've got it taken care of. I know exactly what I want to do. And so you want to look at it at least? No, I'm good. About 30 days later, the HR people contacted the CEO and said, by the way, we just accepted the resignation of your executive vice president of sales and marketing. What happened? This guy was a star and the CEO panicked. Ironically, after they looked at the plan that this executive vice president had crafted, it was by far superior than what that CEO had actually created and and implemented. And it all because the CEO wanted to have ownership on the 
marketing and sales strategy instead of being able to bring forth the right talent and lead that talent toward achieving the mission. So this is perfect. This is just case in point of what we're talking about. And, and I always say this to uh, leaders that, that I coach. I said, it's not to put your name next to some big project. It's to say that people say he or she was the leader of the group that developed that. That's when yeah. you sit back and you do, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I have the best team. Give me another pitfall that you would recommend our listeners to avoid when you're negotiating. You're looking at that. You, you, you want to make sure that you are listening and so forth and that you have a non-zero-sum transaction. Is there anything else that you would say, don't ever do blank? The other thing I say is people want to solve in a negotiation the big, big stuff first. I say go for the little stuff. I say keep track of the little stuff. Okay. Find common ground in the little stuff. Even if it's down to, I like to eat breakfast at nine o'clock in the morning. I know I'm saying it as a joke, but something as very mundane, because when the going keeps on getting a little bit tougher and the emotions are starting to boil up as a leader, you can say, you know how I see this. We have agreed on this. We even discussed this. We even have an occur, you know, a way to do this other stuff. Why are we ready to throw the towel? Yeah, I mean, it's so okay. powerful to do that. So always find the smaller stuff and record them and keep track of them because you eventually in a negotiation, especially a multi-session negotiation, you're going to have to use that. You're going to have yeah. to go back to that. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, speak to me, if you would, or speak to the, to the listeners about this point. To what degree do you think in the context of a negotiation does promoting the interests of the party with whom you are negotiating play a role in negotiations? Like promoting their their interests? Yeah, I view it, if we do not promote what the other party wants, it's going to be very difficult to get the party to trust us and actually to feel that they want to collaborate with us. Um, mm-hmm. We cannot go into a negotiation looking at the other party like, well, we're better than you because we know everything. Because why would you trust that individual? Why would you oh, trust Without that? a doubt. I mean, I, I want to be, it's not that I want to say, I, it's not that I want you to say that I'm wonderful, but I want you to acknowledge that I also have a background that is also impressive. I also have knowledge that is also very much needed. So if you do that for me, yes, I'm gonna do that for you. And then we can have a more pleasant, difficult and challenging discussion, but it could be respectful. And I think by doing that, you gain trust and respect from the other party. What if that doesn't happen? Do you still think that you can uh, achieve or arrive at an effective agreement a compromised agreement, even though one party may not acknowledge the positive aspects of the other individual, do you think that the negotiation is still positively successful? When that has happened, and I have been involved in some of them like that, what I have done is I've tried to see if I, if anything can happen in the next half an hour, 20 minutes, and I realized we're not going anywhere. I actually uh, asked for a recess, like time that we can all go back to our different places mm-hmm. and come back in a couple of weeks and the reason, or a couple of days. And the reason I do that is because then I try to approach the leader of the other party one-on-one and saying, let's, let, let's get down to this. What's going on? Because let me tell We're you. We're not what, progressing here. Yeah. And, and just, and, and 
Paul, there's some instances that you just have to walk away. I mean, I, I hate saying that because a, a lot of people- Well, no, I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, there, there's always gonna be a few of those that you said it didn't work. And that's okay, but by engaging in negotiation, you learn that it didn't work. So then it's time to find somebody else. Mm -hmm. But I would do, you need to do some lobbying on the side. When that goes, then let's take a break and some lobbying and going one-on-one, -on -one, um, doing this in person with other parties at the table with emotions and being tired and everything. It's not, not a good thing. No. <laughs> After all, we are human beings. We need a good night's sleep, I can tell you. <laughs> how, how important is it for each party to know exactly where they want to be, what they want to accomplish? I think that is very important because you know when is your walking time, when you need to walk away like this, when you realize I've done everything. But at the same time, you have to realize you can't stay only with that. You know what you want, but you are willing to say, okay, how can this complement what they're saying? How can what they're saying or offering can complement what I want? And that's where you get the best solutions. When both parties know exactly where they want to go, they know what the results looks like, but they realize how can we make this complement each other? And then all of a sudden a newer solution comes out that even both parties do. I never thought about it this way. Yeah. And it helps us because you're looking at how can we make this work? And that's how we have to do it nowadays. That's fantastic. Well, Elizabeth, you know, you never cease to amaze. Every time that I invite you back here, you come up with these extraordinary perspectives and, and ideas. I sincerely hope for those of you that are listening to this, that you really are taking away some of the critical components, not only of negotiation, but frankly, these are principles that could be applied to daily living for mm -hmm. the people that you are working with, the people that you live with, your significant others, your children. That's, I think, the value of what you bring to the table, Elizabeth, and as always, you have been a wonder to, to speak with. So thank you so much. By the way, tell these folks about your book, where they can get the book. And you've got a couple of events that are coming. Are those up open to the public? Let's, let's pitch some of this stuff here. Okay, yeah. So my book is The Art of Getting Everything and you can get it on Amazon. You just Fantastic. do the, um, uh, the Art of Getting Everything and it comes okay. out under Elizabeth Suarez. And then you can go to my website, negotiationunleashed.com. And there you can get all my information. You can, I have a YouTube channel that always brings up amazing resources. And that's speaker, Elizabeth Suarez. And at the same time, uh, the events I'm doing coming up, they're all closed because these are organizations hiring me I got you. for their leadership okay. team. Um, I used to, before COVID, I had like 18 uh, public uh, speaking engagements uh, for this year, but they were all obviously um, canceled because right. of the pandemic we're all living. So, but uh -huh. I would recommend people go to negotiationunleashed.com and follow me on LinkedIn as Elizabeth Suarez. Uh, there, I provide a lot of insights. I talk a lot about negotiation, leadership, and conflict resolution. I put all of three together because I believe that all three are interrelated. You cannot be a good leader without being an effective negotiator or understand how to manage conflict. Fantastic stuff. Really great to have you with us again. Elizabeth, it is a pleasure. Thank you so very much, folks. Again, you know exactly where to reach Elizabeth, negotiationsunleashed.com. Make it a point to visit. I think that you're going to find some really interesting material there. Elizabeth, thank you so much for everything. I wish you the best in your upcoming events. Take care of yourself okay. and be well. Thank you. The same to you, Paul. Adios. <laughs>